Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me we have Pato. Welcome, Pato. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Yep, yep. Let's not fuck about. Let's get straight into injuries, Pato. Take it away. Let's do it. Yep. So the first one uh, is Shea Bolton, unfortunately. Um, fractured his wrist. We all heard the story. He's sticking up for his mate's misses who was getting hit on and, and a bit of inappropriateness from, from a random bloke at a club. But he's fractured his wrist. He's gone into surgery. He'll be two to four weeks at least, maybe even longer, depending on how that heals. So that's a frustrating one if you brought him in the last couple of weeks. Yep. Jakey Stringer did the string. There you go, four weeks. Um, Jai Caldwell as well with the string. Um, even though he was really injured, he's had a few setbacks and it looks like he might miss the season. Yeah, um, it's only relevant because I think he might be nice and cheap for next season. So I want to chuck on the watch list for next year. But uh, yeah, the stringer one hopefully helps Alec Waterman. Hopefully he comes back into the team, into that Essendon forward line and gives us a couple of more price rises because I know a lot of people brought him in. Yep, yep, Jeremy Howe. I was hoping he'd be back this week for my draft league, and then it turns out that they've put him under the knife to remove some scar tissue off of his hamstring. So it looks like he'll miss the rest of the season. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm hoping this is the first sign of Collingwood admit, uh, finally realising that they can't make finals, um, and they'll hopefully start playing some of those kids through that midfield and off the half-back line. They might have a debutante this weekend in um, Trent Bianco, um, off that half back line. So hopefully they'll start blooding some of those kids and can bring Finley McRae in to play a proper midfield role again. Yeah, I hope so. Shane Edwards, ankle two to four weeks. I'll try and power through these as quick as possible. Lockie Keefe popped his ACL in the final moments of that game against Essendon. So he's done for the season. Uh, Jaden Stevenson's a big one for some teams. He's done, hurt his wrist and it's likely four to six weeks out. Um, Jack Zebel, I didn't even notice this one, Pato. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, didn't watch the game. Um, didn't watch that blockbuster on Saturday afternoon, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, came off with some shoulder soreness late in the season. So as a non-owner, um, I'm hoping this is the start of the downfall of his health. But um, I know a lot of people will be kicking me for saying that because he's in most teams and it's just a case of me not having him and hoping he does drop out so people have to trade him out. <laughs> well, the top 5,000 teams in Supercoach, 100% of them have Zeebel, so you're pissing people off here. Anyway, Nathan Murphy, uh, concussion, so he's going to miss the mandatory week. And Tookie Miller, my VC option from last week, he got suspended, so he's out for one week. And obviously that is good for who, Pato? Uh, Dane Zorko, who usually gets absolutely towed up by... Gold Coast and in turn took Miller every year. So Dane Zorka will be breathing a sigh of relief um, hearing of that suspension. Um, so, yeah, good news for Dane Zorko. Now, we'll quickly touch on the buy rounds, Pato. Uh, you really wanted to talk about this one, and I said we'd talk about it this week. So take it away. What do you reckon? What, what should we start thinking of? Yeah, no, I just think about um, your, your trading options for your, obviously your premiums. Um, I just think you need to look at your buy structure. If you don't have super coach gold, you'll have to do it manually. Um, but if you have super coach gold, you can have a look at who is playing in what round. Now, the bad one for me is round 14. Cause I have a lot of Sydney and Melbourne players. When I say a lot, I've got Lloyd Mills, Oliver and big uh, Maxi Gorn as the main four. They're all going to be missing from my team in that buy. Um, and so is Rory Laird, who is in a lot of teams as well. So that is a big hit points wise for that week. Um, and with guys like Aiden Fife, Tyler Brockman, um, Alec Waterman on the bench meant to be playing, but probably not playing in that buy. You've just got to think about who you're trading in and whether it fits your buy structure. Round 12 is also a bit of a bad one. Hawthorne have that buy, GWS have that buy, North Melbourne have that buy, and that's a big team, uh, big few teams in terms of super coach players. Um, I've got Tom Mitchell, Josh Kelly, um, Aaron Hall, who I'm bringing in this week. A lot of people have Zebel. Um, so you've just got to look at your structure and work out if your trading options are 
relevant and actually going to play in those buys. So you just gotta just gotta have it in the back of your mind when you're trading in. And what about some rookies, Pato? Like, is it worth holding on to some of these rookies uh, a little bit longer through the buys just to help with structure? Um, just so then you get a playing score for your overall or your team, uh, your league games, or is it better to cash in as soon as possible? Yeah, look, it, it all depends on what rookies everyone still has. But I'll look at someone like Tom Powell, who, yeah, he had a 73 on the weekend. His break even will start to go up meaning it looks like he's going to be a trade-out option. But he's got the round 12 buy. So for me, I'll be holding him until his buy. Then I'll be trading him out. Now, obviously, I'll be trading him out to someone that will have a buy in the future. But if you're targeting people from round 13, which is the second week of the buys, you start to look at people who have had the round 12 buy already. So yes, you're trading in someone that has a buy. But if you're bringing in a premium that hasn't had, has already had their buy, sorry, um, it won't matter and you'll get more points. So Tom Powell, I think, will sort of plateau in price. I don't think he's going to go down much more. He may go down 10, 15, 20K. He may even have another 100 game and go up past 400,000. He's sitting at 381,000 at the moment, um, but he might sort of plateau in price. I've also got Samuel Miles Bergman, who has a break even of seven. So he's got a few more price rises yet, um, but he's got that first buy as well. Um but just something to think about. Um, if someone has that round 14 buy, um, I think it could be worth holding on to them as well. Um, someone like Sam Berry, who isn't making money, but he's not bleeding money. Um, his break even is 36. He seems to be getting 40s every week, but he's getting games. Um, some, same as James Rowe. Had a big 81 on the weekend, which was a nice little random big score. He may go back down in price, but he's playing that round four he has got that round 14 buy so there's buy coverage in the first two weeks for guys like that so just something to think about you want to try and get as many people on field as possible because you own you only get your your top 18 scorers but some buys it is hard to get 18 if that makes sense yep yep what isn't hard is the amount of ums that pato just said in that one sentence i lost count pato <laughs> yeah sorry sorry everyone listening Oh, that's a pisser. Anyway, we'll go to the trade-in targets. So guys that are on the bubble, uh, they've played two games, got really low break-evens. We'll start off with one from Collingwood, Caleb Poulter. He's 117K mid-slash-forward, minus 63 break-even. He's got a 67 average. He's one that I think people have to get in this week. Uh, What do you reckon, Pato? Yep, I absolutely agree. I think he is the must-have this week. Um, it's worth noting, just before we mention all of these names, that next week it doesn't look like there's going to be too many rookies around. So I think if you didn't go early on Riley Collier-Dawkins, which I personally did, and I know you did too, Dano, um, it's probably worth bringing in Poulter and Collier-Dawkins. Obviously, it depends on people's teams, um, but it doesn't look like there's many rookies coming up in the next couple of weeks. So if you can get some cash in the bank... Um, look to downgrade to those guys, and then we can start looking at maybe making two upgrades next week. I really like that idea. Um, but in saying that, Lockie Jones is on the horizon. I heard he's back running at training, so he might not be too far away from coming back into that Port Adelaide team. And as we know, he's already played his two games, so he's ready to make those price raises straight away. Yep, yep. And speaking of the one that you just mentioned, Riley Collier-Dawkins is after the Shea Bolton and Dan Rioli mishap there um, with Shea missing probably two to three weeks, even longer. Riley Collier-Dawkins, 123K mid, minus 45 break even. He's got a 60 average. He should get games. Now, he's probably going to be the biggest must-have besides Poulter this week uh, with that many Richmond injuries. Um, Pato, as you're a Richmond man, do you want to elaborate a little bit more as to why people need Riley Collier-Dawkins? Yeah, um, the... The one you've also forgotten to mention there, Dano, is Shane Edwards, who is part of that first choice midfield as well. So when you look at the the Richmond's first choice midfield, we've got Cochin, Prestia, Edwards, Bolton, all his first choice midfielders in that real like center bounce attendance um, attendees. And Riley Collier Dawkins is that player. So I think in his first game, he had about 60% center bounce attendances. Dusty came back and that went down to about 30%, I believe. I could be wrong, but it did go down. But 
that's going to shoot back up again because Shea Bolton has attended a lot. So has Shane Edwards. And obviously, Cochin and Prestu are still out. So I can see him playing a bunch of minutes in that midfield. He may find it hard against the Giants because they do have a lot of those contested balls, but he could also come into his own and have a real breakout game. So if you didn't go early on Collier Dawkins, I think both he and Poulter are must-haves this week. Don't get too frightened by that 43 from Collier Dawkins. He actually improved on Friday night late in the game when the game was already over. So that's why he didn't get scaled too much. I still think he had 18 or so touches, which isn't horrible. So... I think he's a must-have personally, and so is Poulter. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll go on to Matthew Owies, uh, the man that doesn't get hurt, apparently. 123K forward. He's got a minus, minus 42 break-even. 58 average. Uh, what do you reckon about him, Pato? Because, um, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan, but, yeah, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm not a big, the biggest fan either. This has Alec Waterman written all over it as well. Waterman came in and scored three or four goals on debut, kicked a couple in his second game. Everyone jumped on, and then he gets dropped after his third game. We've only had one price rise out of him, and Essendon weren't happy with what he does. Um, Owies, I can see having the same thing. He plays up forward in a Carlton team that isn't doing as well as they should be. And all it takes is one or two games where he kicks one goal, zero goals, doesn't put the pressure on that he's needed up forward and he gets dropped again. So I would be very weary of Owies. I think there's a few other better options this week, but if you need a forward, he's on the bubble. And if you can back him into, if you think he's going to keep kicking goals, then he's the one to bring in, I think. But Poulter as a mid forward swing, I think he's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Ryan Burns, 123K mid, minus 40, 57 average. I can't see him staying in that St Kilda side for much longer. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, I haven't watched this guy play, so can't really comment too much on it. But he's in there because he's on the bubble. But yeah, as you said, who knows how long he's going to stay in the team. We know Brett Brett Ratton hates us super coach players because he's not playing that guy that I want to, don't even want us to talk about because it's frustrating. <laughs> it's just beyond frustrating now. But uh, yeah, Ryan Burns, he's there because he's on the bubble, but I'm not sure how how much of an option he is when he's compared with Col- Collier Dawkins and those sort of guys. Yeah, agreed. Nick Murray, 102K defender, minus 39. He could come back uh, with some of the Adelaide injuries, but after speaking with a few Adelaide supporters, I can't see him being a valid super coach option. Um, what about you, Pato? What do you reckon on Nick Murray? Uh, yeah, look, look at team options. Uh, sorry, team selections um, and see what happens with that. But he's only a defender. We mentioned him last week. Then he got dropped, but could come back into the team because they had a couple of injuries. One guy got knocked out. I actually think they had two concussions, didn't they, Dano? Um, I can't recall, to be honest. Yeah, no, nah, but they had a few defenders get rubbed out. So, um, yeah, see what happens there. The last one's Harry Edwards, 123K defender, minus 30 break-even, 52 average. Um, I, I honestly can't be bothered watching West Coast Eagles games, <laughs> but I should probably watch them a little bit more. But, I, again, this is another one, job security-wise, I just can't see being valid to select him what do you reckon yeah the last thing we need is another defender that plays a couple of games and then it just sits on your bench not making money so i'm not sure he's a reliable option and again i haven't also watched any eagles games this year because they just don't interest me but yeah he's on the bubble but who long who knows how long he's going to stay in that team yeah i'm trying to watch a lot more games than normal um, to try and comment on these people. Uh, but yeah, just I had nothing on Harry Edwards. So unfortunately, guys, I can't really comment on him, but I have not seen anyone else talk about him. So I don't think his job security is any good. Anyway, we'll move on to premium trade-ins or fallen primos. So guys, this is what we we're talking about over the last few weeks where you get guys that just have, let's say, one bad score or something. Their break-even goes super high. They drop in price drastically. And then you pick, or they've got a role change and they start picking up and scoring those 100-plus games. Or they've got tantalizing fixtures. So there's two clear standouts this week uh, in Tommy Mitchell and Josh Kelly. So we'll start with Tommy Mitchell. So he's 
I can't believe he's actually dropped down to 525k, to be honest. Um, 107 average, 114 three-round average. There's also another tasty thing about Tommy Mitchell. Now I'll talk about after you talk about him, Pado. Um, but yeah, he's looking fit. But like we were saying, if this was McRae of the Bulldogs with the same numbers, he'd be slapping out 140s to 160s. And then Tom Mitchell gets the same stats and doesn't get score as high, but he looks like he's finally doing it. So what do you reckon, Pado? I'll have a little brag here, Dano. Um, and I know you were probably waiting for me to do this, but if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen that I tweeted on Friday <laughs> just saying that I had a cheeky feeling that Tommy Mitchell, this was the week that Tommy Mitchell was going to go big. And I didn't quite predict that he was going to go 150 big, but I backed myself in. So I VC Dusty, who had an absolute fucking shocker on Friday night. But I chucked the C on Tommy Mitchell. I ignored Grundy. I ignored Gorn. I ignored all those other guys. And I chucked it on Tom Mitchell because I had a feeling. And he did not let me down at all. So... I'll have a little break there, but uh, we mentioned Tom Mitchell last week. He was about 505K, which is ridiculous. So if you brought him in last week, you'd be absolutely laughing because he's averaging 147 with you bringing him in. And to get him at 500K is just absurd. But I think he's going to be one of the top midfielders from this point in. And I think he is a red hot trade-in target if you're not going double down. So that means if you're not bringing in two rookies this week, I think Tom Mitchell is the number one target for you. Now with Tommy Mitchell, we're going to talk about this later, but Tommy Mitchell has a tendency to score absolutely fucking huge against North Melbourne. Like they just let him do what he wants. So if there's ever a time to get Tommy Mitchell, this round is it. Okay. So next one, Josh Kelly, 511K, 98 average, 103 average um, over the last, what, three rounds, I think it is, Pato, from memory. Anyway, um, he's gone 67% center bounces attended, which I think previous rounds he went like 0%. One round was like 18%. One round was like 20-odd percent. So he's now starting to go back into his midfield role, which we thought would happen when Whitfield came back because Whitfield is that beautiful link man between the center uh, center line and the forward line, which Josh Kelly is just absolutely hopeless at, but he's still pushing up forward from time to time. He, this is the cheapest you'll ever be. And Pato, I know you're going to talk about the giants upcoming fixture. So take it away. Yeah. Just quickly on Josh Kelly. We, we mentioned him last week as well as a trading option. It now makes sense. It just seems like he was playing the Whitfield role until Whitfield was back. Didn't quite do it as well as Whitfield does, but, I mean, Lockie Whitfield is one of the best in that role. But, yeah, Josh Kelly is averaging 103 over the last three rounds, which doesn't seem like much, but over the last two, when he's gone back into that midfield, with Whitfield back in the team, obviously he's gone 129 and 111. And it is worth noting that last time Josh Kelly played the Tigers, he pumped out a 195 score, which is absolutely mammoth. And it is also worth noting that, as we mentioned before, the Richmond midfield is absolutely depleted. So he could be coming up against Dusty Martin, who we know doesn't like running the other way. He could be coming up against Collier Dawkins, Jack Graham, Jack Ross, that's the midfield that he's coming up against. So, I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but he could have one of those monster scores that we have been talking about, Dano. But, yep, his upcoming fixture is pretty tough in the next three weeks. He's got Richmond, West Coast, Brisbane. Uh, probably tougher West Coast and Brisbane when you look at the midfields, but then it opens up a bit. He's got North Melbourne, Carlton, and Hawthorne. So, yep, looking ju juicy there, Dano. And he's got the round 12 buy, which suits me pretty well. It doesn't suit a lot of other teams, though, but I think he's one with Titch that you just got to get in. This is the time to get in. You got to get one or the other or both. And if you were smart and banked all this coinage, then you could have got both in this round. But I doubt anyone could afford, what, over a million <laughs> in, in a round. Anyway, one that we touched on from Anzac Day, breakout game, Darcy Parrish. He's gone up a little bit in price, but not too much. So it's 552K. 
in just 3% of fucking teams. So he's got 103 average, but he's three round average. He's 128 and 112 five round average. And he's just looking at home. I think the Dons are now like, right, Parrish ain't a forward. Parrish ain't a wing. Parrish is fucking pure mid, inside mid. Keep him there. Probably a good thing for them for the long run because he's just, he's got so much polish. Polished Parrish, I like to call him. What are your thoughts, Pato? Big POD for teams to bring him in at 3%. Yep, absolutely. So he's currently the 17th ranked midfielder, but I would be ignoring that because his last five round average is 112, which is a really good indication of what he will score like. But his last three is 128, which can seem like a little bit of a flash in the pan when you just look at the three round average. But I can see he's cemented that role as bottom line. Even when Dylan Shield comes back, Dylan Shield can't pick to save himself. Parrish can actually find a target. I really think Ben Rutten likes him. And I think he's got that role permanently. He's, he's knocked Dyson Heppel out of the midfield. He's knocked some other guys out of that midfield. And I think Parrish has the keys. Yep. Another one that has the keys is Timmy Taranto, the former number two draft pick of the Giants. He's now gone up to 524K. Uh, if you started him like me, you would have got him mid 400K range. 104 average. He's got 122 three-round average. He's looking silky smooth in that Giants midfield. Pato, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the great TT, Tim Taranto? Yeah, he's another one that isn't going to be any cheaper than what he is now. 524 is an absolute bargain for a guy that I will back to average 115 from here on. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. His uh, three-round average is 122. I don't see that being his ceiling, but I reckon 115 he can do for the rest of the season. So um, if you don't have him, I don't have him, but I've got other options this week, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But with a break-even of 46, nice little pod. He's not in heaps of teams in 28%, which sounds like a lot, but I don't think he's going to be in many of those top teams. So it could be a nice little mover for you in the rankings. Yep. Yeah, now we'll go on to one that I have, I didn't even look at, to be honest, Pato. Uh, James Harms. I talk about James Harms for a minute and why he could be a potential trading target. Yeah, so this one is flying way under the radar because it doesn't really come up when you look at the averages or anything like that. But uh, he started off coming back from injury with a 64, but then had 132 on the weekend. So he's had his two games. But the bottom line is, this is a guy that has really good history scoring when he plays in the midfield and a really poor average when he's playing in defense but he got moved to defense last year in favor of other guys like Brayshaw and Viney and guys like that but he's been given another chance in that midfield and he's priced at 344,000 which is insanely cheap for a guy that I think has a pretty high ceiling but it is role dependent and if you're bringing him in, you're banking on him to keep that midfield role, which is tough in a pretty strong midfield in Melbourne's. But he sta- he played in that midfield on the weekend, had 132. Looks like he's really part of that midfield rotation now, alongside Petrarca, alongside Oliver and all those guys. And when you've got the best ruckman in the comp tapping it down your throat, uh, I think He's a really nice trade-in option if you're looking for a defender that is absolute bargain-priced. Yep. Now, I'm going to interject because I've got two players not on the run sheet um, here that I'm going to talk about, Pato. And I think you kind of know who the two are. (laughs) One One of them being Darcy Moore. So Darcy Moore... Is priced at three hundred and sixty-five thousand. Now he moved back to defence. Now, when he was in defence at the start of this year, he was pumping out one hundred plus scores. Moved back to the defence. Now I know it was only against North, but he got a one thirty. Now I do believe that Moore has now bottomed out. So his break evens now sixty-three. So he's pretty much he's gonna he's gonna nail that um, as soon as he keeps playing this defensive role. Buckley now realizes, holy fuck, this dude can't play forward for shit. Um, put him back into the defense where he belongs. Um, they got Sydney this week as well. So he should get a lot of opportunities to try and intercept Mark, peel off his defender and all that sort of stuff there. And the Collingwood love to play through him. So Darcy Moore's the first one. The second one 
is the guy that I spoke up as big POD when Jeremy Cameron's in the side. Who is it, Pato? The big tomahawk. The big fucking tomahawk. Now, I did a tweet as soon as the game finished. So Tom Hawkins scoring with Jeremy Cameron in the side is 105 in round six. Then round seven was a 65. So I was a little bit low, but they were both pretty low and fucking Geelong looked pass. And then round eight, he got 149 super coach. So he is absolutely tearing at a new asshole at the moment. And he looks like he's going back to his form of last year. Now he's priced at 474K. So, but, and he's also got that round 12 buy. So it doesn't appeal to many in the top 5,000 because like I said, hundred percent of teams in the top 5,000 have Zebel and about, I think it was 87% have Impy, all of which have that round 12 buy. So those two, uh, the two that I would strongly consider this week, I've already got one of them, which is Hawkins, but the Darcy Moore one, if you're really struggling and you got a Kaczynski who's just fucking looking like shit now and he's made his money and you can afford the extra hundred and something thousand go to the Darcy Moore, I reckon. And I also said it last week with this bloke who is Aaron fucking Hall. Take it away, Pato. Right. So just quickly with Darcy Moore, I don't like Darcy Moore and here's why. So he had his three weeks playing as a forward scored 65, 59 and 24. Absolutely just debacle playing up forward. So that, let's ignore that. So the first two weeks, he scored well, 119, 118. Yep, perfect. Playing as an intercept defender. But round three and round four, he had scores of 73 and 79 and playing in defense. Now, that was against the Lions and the Giants. With players like Darcy Moore, his role will depend on who he's playing. And it's a little bit the same as Stephen May, who had a bit of a down game, but he locked down on Buddy, and it was a really good matchup, and Buddy did absolutely nothing. So I'm going to interject there. Because those yep. two scores where Darcy Moore scored low in defense, he actually switched the intercept role with who? Jeremy Howe. Correct. And who is not playing for the rest of the season? Jeremy Howe. Correct. That's why I reckon Darcy Moore will be one of the picks. The only thing is he's in a... Like the defenders this year, as you said in previous podcasts, Pato, are just absolute fucking powerhouses. He'd really need to average 115 from here on in, which would be a bit of a struggle. But with some teams that need a little bit of a point of difference, I reckon more might be. Look, personally, I think there's better options just because against those taller forward lines, I feel like Darcy Moore plays more of a shutdown role. Um, but look, happy to be proven wrong for anyone that might have Darcy Moore or might be looking at him. He is very cheap. And it's those sort of cheap options that you should be looking for that can really help you bring in those big, expensive midfield guns like Jared Lyons and guys that we haven't even mentioned because they're just 620-plus. Yeah, correct. Um, Aaron Hall is the one that I said people, if they needed a point of difference to bring him in last week because his break-even last week was 105. He ended up getting like 113. You take out his concussed game. Even his concussed game, he was looking like he was going to score 120 before he got concussed. So he's an absolute fucking seagull with Zebel in that back line. And even Hall pushes up the ground a bit more, tries to have a few pot shots on goal too. So he's 419K. He's got, don't even look at his average because he's got the injury affected scores. He's got 108 average without injury. And the only reason why people might not go for Hall is if, like I said, they're going for a Hawkins, which they've also got an impy and a Zebel in their side. So there'd be three of their starting six forwards with that round 12 buy, if they're worried about that buy round. Yeah, no, you mentioned Aaron Hall last week. I was a little bit unsure about it, but I'm sold now, Dano. Uh, that is my other trading option. So I went early on Collier Dawkins last week. I'm bringing in Paul to this week and I'm bringing in Aaron Hall. Um, I'm sold on him. I've done the research and I reckon he's an absolute bargain at 419k. And from this point on, I can see him being a top three or four forward. As you said, he's a seagull in that back line along with Zebel. And I really like him as a super coach trading option. I think he's more reliable than Zebel from this point on. That might be a little bit controversial to say, mm. but Aaron Hall is the one that I am banking on this year. Yep, fair enough. Um, Jack Crisp is another one in defence. 498k 
He's got a 96 average, 102 three-round average. The good center bounce attended numbers, but in like I said, in a the defenders this year are fucking insane. Um, you got even Daniel Rich, one of the top defenders this year now. It's just yeah, I like you try and find value back there. I'd probably find value in another one, which is a player that's going to be listed next on our run sheet. Uh, but what do you reckon, Pato, on Jack Crisp? Well, just quickly going back to Aaron Hall, I didn't even realize his ownership was this low, but he's in 808 teams. I'm one of them. Which is absolutely (laughs) insane. So that isn't even more of a reason to bring in Aaron Hall if you needed another reason. But yeah, Jack Crisp, I kind of agree. The only reason he's on the run sheet is because he's in just 3% of teams. And I know a lot of people are looking for those PODs and they're the ones that really catapult you ahead of other teams. So there is definitely better value elsewhere, but still under 500K could be a nice little point of difference for you. And another one under 500K in defence, Jaden Short, who I wanted to start this year. And then I ended up having an opportunity to trade him in and I fucking backed out. And I ended up getting fucking lacocious, fucking dickhead. Anyway, um, he's 475K, averaging 98. Um, I just, yeah, short Short's one of those guys that I really like. What about you, Pato? Yeah, I started Jaden Short. But if you don't have him, he is right for the picking just about, um, as well as a guy that isn't on the run sheet, but Jordan Ridley is probably one more week away from being at a really juicy price. So if you've still got a couple of spots in your defense, I'd be looking at Ridley and Short, who Short's at 475K. He probably won't get much cheaper because his break even is at 69. But Jordan yep. Ridley could be even cheaper next week. Uh, so if you're looking for a nice bargain point, I think Short and Ridley are really good options in defense. Well, funny you should say the Ridley one. So it's okay. Like with the Aaron Hall call last week where I said he's got his break even of 105. Even if he beats it, he's not going to rise too much in price. And he got 113. So he pretty much stayed the same. Jordan Ridley's got a break even of 119. So even if he goes like 130, he still won't raise that much in price. If he goes 120, he's pretty much going to stay the same. But let's say he scores 103. He's going to still drop a bit more. So... It, I, Ridley's one, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd hold off a week to be honest, because the positives are if he doesn't make his break even and he gets like 108 or whatever, he's going to still drop and yeah. So Ridley, I've already got him. I've had him pretty much from round two, I think it was. So yeah, jump on when you can with the Riddler, but it's also role dependent. Like last week, which we were talking about before the podcast even started, was a bit of an anomaly with him doing a more 1v1 one, one one and trying to make a bit more... He's trying to make Toby Green a bit more accountable and it affected his score a bit. He still scored an 84, but yeah. So yeah, Ridley's one to look at next week. Yeah, and uh, next week you'll be bringing him before he plays North Melbourne and we know how good they are. So <laughs> yeah, next week's probably the one probably the one for him if you don't already have him. And he's also got the round 13 buy, which is probably the friendliest buy of the three for most teams. So yeah, next week is the week for Ridley, but worth noting, it's good to plan your trades ahead. Obviously you can't predict injuries or, or suspensions or anything like that. But if you can try and keep two or three weeks ahead of the current week with your trade plans, if I didn't have Ridley, he would be my number one target for next week. And I'd be trying to base my trades this week on having the coin to get him in and thinking about who I might be trading out to bring him in. And just another one, um, Chera from Fremantle was actually listed as test this week. Um, I just saw. So he's someone to keep an eye on for future rounds as well. And that could end up helping Andy Brayshaw's scoring too with Chera in the side with Fife. So um, we've got one more player and I'll let you talk about him, Pato, because you've pretty much been jerking off over him for the last few rounds. So take it away. Yeah, I can promise you I wasn't jerking off about him on Friday night. (laughs) Um, He absolutely towed us up. Um, And I I did think he may have a poor game, but I also said I wouldn't be surprised if he went off the chain because no Dylan Grimes and he would have been the Jeremy Cameron matchup. But uh, yeah. 137 on the weekend. He's in just 3% of teams. So he's on people's radars, but he's now fit. I said this week would be the good week to bring him in. But if you brought him in last week, you'd be laughing because he absolutely dominated us. But 
He's got a nice little few weeks coming up. So he's got the Saints, then the Suns, and then the Pies. So, look, if you're looking for a nice little point of difference up forward, and we all are because, let's be real, the, the top six forwards look like it could be any 30 of the forwards that are in the top 30-odd because it's, the forward line's fucked this year. Uh, but it's going to be something left field that's going to really help a, a top team catapult themselves into the top 10 or whatever. And as someone like Jeremy Cameron that could – pull out 105, 110 average for the rest of the year because we know Geelong a bit of flat track bullies. They know they know how to win during the regular season. They kick a lot of goals. And I think him and Hawkins together up forward, as well as Gary Rowan, who's actually also benefited from having Jerry McCameron in the team. Um, I think they're going to kick a lot of goals. I think they're going to have a big, a lot of big, big wins. And Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins are both going to have heaps of score involvement. So, yeah, I like Jeremy Cameron. Now, I've been on gaff watch since the start of the season when he started off poorly with the 57 and the 69. So his last four scores are 109, 88, 123, 133. So he did bottom out at 508K. He's now 532. So he's got those two back-to-back 100-plus scores. Um, He's another one that you can look at as a POD to bring in. Um, his break even this week 60. So you'd hope that he breaches it. Um, yeah, and they do the West Coast Eagles do have Adelaide this week. So you'd back Gaff to just run rampant against them. Um, what do you reckon, Pato, with Gaff? Because I know he's not on the run sheet, but I thought I'd better chuck him in before the questions. Yeah, no, this is one that I, I missed for the run sheet. Um, I actually really like this pick because another one that's in just 3% of teams, very low break even. And the real benefit of Gaff is he also has that really good round 13 buy. Uh, so I like Gaff. And it's worth noting that Luke Shuey and Elliot Yo are still to come back into that midfield. And that can only help Andrew Gaff scoring immensely. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. And he's not on a lot of radars, so you could do a lot worse with 432K. Well, we're up to question time now. And one person who comments every week asking a question, it, Gaff is on his radar. So Tater Tot, okay, Tate Fuller, has commented asking, Taranto, Gaff or Mitchell traded this week, who do we recommend? This is a very tough one because... Mm. We're both huge on Tom Mitchell. I've already got him, so obviously not a trading, not on the trading radar for for myself. Um, but it all depends on ranking, I think, for your Tate. Um, Tom Mitchell's in fourteen percent of teams, and that I expect that to jump up to about twenty five percent this week. That's how many people I truly think will be bringing in Tom Mitchell this week. So if you're looking for more of a POD that's going to help you with rankings, I'd probably like Toronto of the three. Um, but I think the issue is that Taranto has a pretty average buy. Yeah, he's got the round 12 buy. So if you've got Zebel, Hall, not many people have Hall, but if you've got a lot of round 12 buy players, I'd probably be looking at Gaff, actually, um, if you're not looking for a pod. Sorry, if you are looking for a pod. If you're not yeah. looking for a pod, Tom Mitchell, I think, is the absolute cream of that crop. But if you're looking for someone with a good buy um, and you're already loaded for round 12 buy plays, I think Gaff is the one. I'm going to interject, say Tom Mitchell, because listen to this tasty fixture, which we forgot to mention earlier. This week, Hawks host North Melbourne. Next week, Carlton v. Hawks. Then the week after, it's the Suns versus the Hawks. So the next three fucking rounds... Is just too tantalizing to ignore Tom Mitchell. He could go 130, 140 plus across those three, three rounds right there. Captaincy material right there. The, the issue is there, Dano, though, that uh, Ed Kono is back tagging. So he may go to Tom Mitchell. Hopefully, Jago Mira is back by then and he gets the tag. But Tom Mitchell could get it, especially if he goes big against North, which I think he will. I, and then Gold yeah. Coast. So Tuke Miller has been tagging as well and could go to Tom Mitchell as well. Hopefully not. But, yeah, just something to think about. You've got to worry about those pesky taggers. Yeah, I just can't. If I was a coach and I was looking at Hawthorne, I wouldn't actually tag Tom Mitchell. I I absolutely agree. I don't think he does anything with the footy. That's why sometimes he can get 40 touches and not score well for Supercoach. 
but he does get tagged on occasion. And if Jager's not back this next week, Ed Kuno could go to him. Yep, okay, valid point. So there you go, Tate. Um, the other one is James Durkin, a.k.a. Jed. So he's asked another one. So he goes, Bose, Ridley, or Jaden Short in defence this week, which one would we take? So personally, it probably depends on how many defenders he needs to complete his team. If this is for his sixth defender spot, I'd be locking in Ridley. Uh, and if you can wait a week, I would wait, wait another week because he will go down more in price. Oh, oh, actually, he may reach his break-even against Frio this week, but I probably like Ridley more than the other two if it's your final spot. If it's not your final spot, I like someone like Bose who isn't in many teams and he's actually in the top six for averages in defence so far. And I'm just looking at his ownership now, but I believe he's in less than 5% of teams. And just give me one second and I will find that out. Well, I'll interject sure. while you try and find it out because he's in, oh, yep. one is in 10% of teams. So oh, there you I go. was on that one, but he is the seventh ranked defender this year and averaging 104. And of the top 10, only Salem and Daniel Rich are in less teams. So he's a little bit of a POD. Jaden Short's in 37% of teams. And Jordan Ridley, I believe, is in 20-something percent. Yeah, 24%. So, again, it probably depends on the buy structures. But Ridley is the number one target for me out of that three. What do you reckon, Dano? Yeah, well, again, it's about your buy structure and who you want to target. And Jordan Ridley, if he can hold off till next week, let's say you've got three defenders right now. I don't know how you'd have three defenders, but let's say you've got three defenders right now. Or you switch Rory Laird into the midfield. Um, and have that free spot in defense. I'd go Bows um, for this round and then try and focus on Jordan Ridley next round. Um, construct your buys, uh, your trades that way. But if, yeah, buy structure comes into it too. But the Suns have the inaccurate in front of goal Lions this week. So Bows could take a fuck ton of kick ins, easy points right there. Then the week after, he does have Geelong. I'm not sure on that one. It all depends on how Tomahawk and Jezza Cameron and Gary Rowan are in front of the big sticks, whether they're accurate as fuck or whether they kick like three goals, five each. Um, again, that's dependent on Jack Bowes' kicking ins, but they're just cheap disposals. Then after that is against the Hawks. So I'd, for this week, I actually don't mind Bowes, but yeah, Ridley's, you, you got to have Ridley by season's end, in my opinion. Yeah, Ridley's a must have. I just looked at the buys and, Bose is the one that has around 12 buy, uh, which yeah. isn't the good buy. So that comes into it. The other two have the good buy in round 13. Obviously, that's not going to be the good buy for everyone. Jed may have people that are, are not playing in round, uh, sorry, that are not playing in round 13, and that might not suit his buy structure. But taking into consider, consideration everything, I, I agree. Ridley is the one for me. Yeah, no worries. So. We're now up to VCNC options. So we are not called the Super Coach co-captains for nothing. Every week we give you guys some run-of-the-mill VCC options, but also some left-of-field ones that could come into contention to help you give that point of difference to your side. So the tantalizing Friday night game, Pato, is St Kilda versus Geelong. Now, again, I was talking up Tom Hawkins last week and he fucking went bang. I backed out of the VC on him last week at the last minute. So this week, I'm not going to make the same mistake again, I don't reckon. I say Tomahawk for VC. Yeah, um, I agree. I think the Geelong Cats will smash St Kilda. Every time they've played a half-decent team, they even got smashed by Richmond, who aren't travelling very well at all. So I think the Saints are no good. I think Geelong could beat them by about 10 to 12 goals. And I think both Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron will go large, but I'll also throw in the guff. I think he can have a big game as well. The guff is tracking tracking very nicely. The other one's Jack Steele. Now, Pato, you're not big on him at the moment. I think he finished the game last week on like in the 90s and then scaled up to like 110. So Champion Data still love him. Um, he will be cheap in a few weeks' time, or cheaper in a few weeks' time as well. Um, but yeah, he's one. The only one at St Kilda that I can really think of as a VC option, I'm not going to go with Rowan Marshall. I just, yeah, I don't like it. No, uh, Jack Steele last year actually had an 86 against Geelong. So 
I don't remember the game, but that evidence suggests that he may well have tagged last year. And I think the Saints may go to that again. And if Jack still is playing a more negating role, as well as the fact that they could get absolutely pumped, I don't like Jack Steele as a potential of going big this week, but we'll see. Next game on the Saturday, sixth place versus 16th place. It's Sydney Swans versus Collingwood Magpies, not the Port Adelaide Magpies. Um, obvious choice, Brady Grundy. Uh, yeah, and Jakey Lloyd are the two obvious ones. But I've got another one, which is Callum Mills. Now, last week he played in the guts and he, after we were worried because of the week before he played in defence. So Horse has just gone a full 180 um, and backflipped on it and then just put him back in the middle and he's just absolutely towered it up. So I'm hoping he does it again this week against Collingwood because Collingwood's mids are just fucking puss at the moment. Um, so I'll back in Callum Mills as a VC option. The one I really like from this game is Jake Lloyd. Um, I think we're waiting for that really big game that he had regularly last week. Uh, sorry, last year. I think this is the week he goes big. Uh, Collingwood concede a lot of points to halfbacks. North Melbourne had four tons last week and three of them were to defenders. And Connor Menadju was one of them. That surely shows you just how bad the Collingwood forwards are at pressuring those defenders as they run and carry. So I'm backing in Jake Lloyd to have 140. I'm calling it now. He will 100% be my VC this week. I'm ignoring Grundy and I'm going with Lloyd. Well, that kind of makes me feel a bit better because if Mills does play on the halfback flank, you'd probably still score big anyway. <laughs> yeah, I can't need, I can't see Sydney needing Callum Mills in defence because the ball's barely going to be down there. Yeah, um, Callum Mills could well go big, but I think his ceiling's probably more of a 120, even though he's coming off 140. Um, I think Jake Lloyd is the one that will go absolutely bonkers this week. What about the round one score of Mills though? Yep, no, he went big in round one, but I didn't have, yeah. him, have him, so that's I irrelevant. Did. I did, so sh- <laughs> shove it up, yeah. Um, steel side bottom I was thinking of, but I just... I need I need to see a bit more consistency out of him before I even say chuck a VC on him. Grundy's the better option, and everyone pretty much has Grundy. So we'll move on to the what I call... It's pretty much the battle of the number one draft pick. Um, Hawthorne versus North Melbourne. They reckon that it was Collingwood versus North Melbourne for the battle for the number one draft pick, but I reckon this one is. Um, You said last week Jack Zebel as a VC option. Again, this week he is, but Aaron Hall, I reckon, is up there too. They're just, there's so many seagulls in this game. You've even got Jarman Impey, who's a fucking seagull in this game, and then you've got Tommy Mitchell. So you got four fucking absolute seagulls going at it. Chuck them a chip. They'll fight over it. What do you reckon, Pato? Who, who have you got? Yeah, no, I feel like this game might even be quite quite high viewership numbers. And obviously you've got the Hawks and North fans who will have to sit through another game of theirs, those poor people. But uh, I think a lot of people will have a keen eye on this game. Just from the Supercoach perspective, there's a lot of relevant players in this game. Um, and any any one of them could go 140, 150. And, I mean, you kind of throw in darts at the dartboard to figure out which one that is. Could be Tom Mitchell coming off a really big game. Could be, as you said, Jack Zabel. Aaron Hall could be a nice little left field VC if you're bringing him in or already have him. Um, and, yeah, Jarman Impey could even go big. So you never know. I mean, Kajitski could even get 130 here. Oh, please That's how bad that. North are. So... Um, <laughs> I mean, if you have the balls to VC uh, Jacob Kajitsky, um, I'll buy you a beer because he could go big and it could be risky. But imagine if someone loophole VC loopholes ja- uh, Jacob Kajitsky. That'd be fucked. I'm actually wanting to trade out Cozzy this week. And then looking at this, I'm like, oh, you could actually slam through like five, six goals in this game. What do I do? <laughs> well, it's... It, if you think of the preseason, Dano, that big game that Jacob Kaczynski had was against North and it was down in Tassie. So oh. he had 130, I think, in that game. Um, obviously a preseason game, so a little bit different, but he did have a big score and that's the reason why everyone started with him. So he could have a little repeat. We know how bad North are. It's not as crazy as it sounds, Dano. 
Yeah, I won't VC him, but I think I might have to reorganise my trades because I think I might hold him for another week. Um, anyway, Suns versus the Lions, the big Q clash. This one's tantalisingly good, and I'm going to throw out a left field option out there that a few people will like, and that's Daniel Rich. Daniel fucking Rich to go bananas. Uh, interesting one. He's scoring very well this year and flying under the super coach radar. Um, I like, I'll be a little bit boring. I like Jared Lyons. He is quietly, yeah. absolutely killing it. And um, he played at Gold Coast, didn't he? And played a few games and they thought he was no good. No, mate, it, was, it wasn't about them thinking he's no good. I can't remember if they delisted him or they traded him to Brisbane, but it was for peanuts anyway. I think it was more of a salary thing than anything, or they thought that he had empty disposals, one or the other, but he's killing it for the Lions. Um, funnily enough, his last name's Lions, so it's kind of fitting that he plays for him. Yep, yep. It was written in the stars, but I think he could be keen to have a really big game against his former club who got rid of him. And, yep, he'd be, if I had him, he'd be a really good VC or C option for me. Yep. Humor Cluggage is another one. Um yeah, and out of the Suns, you could only really think of Bose or potential. Oh no, Patuki Miller's not playing, so really only Bose. Yeah, I don't really like many options from the from the Suns this week. Yeah, so we'll move on to our game, and we're going to go to this one, Pato. I've got my clash. Um, sorry, it's not a clash strip. It's the um, it's like a Sydney v Giants friggin' yeah. Derby game strip, that black one with the big orange G on it, the fine line G. So anyway, the Tigers versus the Giants. And you start off with this one because you already mentioned his name earlier that he could go like 180 or whatever. So take it away, Pato. Yeah, no, I really, just talking about that uniform, I really love that design. It was really slick. And it's a shame we won't see them playing it against teams that aren't Sydney. Um, I've also just realized that the game's at Marvel, which I'm glad I've looked at that now because I thought it was at the G, but no, was Marvel. don't have to worry about yeah. any rain. Don't have to worry about any rain. So that's really good. I was concerned about that because I'm having an all-nighter and I'm watching the FA Cup final in the city. Uh, go Chelsea. But uh, yeah, we don't talk about football on here. We talk about AFL. But yeah, Josh Kelly is the one for me. I, I reckon this is one of those ones where I feel like I had the feeling about Tom Mitchell last week. Josh Kelly is the one this week. I feel like he's going to go big. So I'll VC Josh, not Josh, Jake Kelly. Um, no, it's Josh. No, it's um, Jake Lloyd. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I'll be VCing Jake Lloyd. And if he doesn't go big, I reckon Josh Kelly is the one that I'll captain. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at a VC option for Joshy Kelly myself, but I'm trying to work out if he doesn't work work out how to do a, a captain loophole and or if he does work out sorry how to loophole him so that's my dilemma but i'll try and vc josh kelly myself just because that tantalizing big score it, it i we it, feel it in your loins don't you Pato? you just feel it yeah um if alec waterman doesn't get a game he could be the one to loophole on the sunday but i reckon he might come in so it might depend for people who can who they can VC or see. And once again, the Thursday night teams are coming out next week. We should have mentioned that earlier, but yeah, we won't know who's playing on Sunday until Saturday afternoon at 6.20 or whenever the teams come out. So we'll know luckily before the Richmond game, sorry, the Richmond and Giants game, I should say. Um, so we'll know whether you've got a VC option, but yeah, I like Kelly. Yeah. And Toronto is another one or would you go Dusty? I think it's risky. Uh, I think you need to see some form before you can trust him with a VC or C. Um, I was dumb enough to do it off two weeks off and a, and a trip to New Zealand and not knowing what his foot was like and the concussion. And yeah, look, looking back, I, I shouldn't have VC'd him. It worked out all right because I, I nailed the, the Tom Mitchell captain. But yeah, I think we need to see some evidence from Dusty before we start throwing VCs or Cs on him. Yep, that's fair enough. Moving on to Port Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs, third versus second. Yeah, tantalizingly interesting game. Um, who have you got in this one, Pato? Yeah, it's a shame we won't be able to watch this one because we'd both be watching the uh, the pretty uh, the the other game. I was about to say poor game, but it won't be a poor game. It should be a good game. <laughs> should be good. Uh, but 
yeah, no, we'll, we'll miss this one, which will probably be a better game to be to be completely fair. But over in Adelaide, it's hard to go against Port Adelaide, but I feel like McRae might be back to his best this week. And that, even though that's a boring option. Yeah, can't really think of anyone else. Maybe Travis Boak. Um, yeah, I just can't see anything else, to be honest. They're both pretty boring picks. So sorry about that, listeners. Um, we'll move on to Sunday's game, though. So these are pretty much C options. So they have to be your captaincy options. Um, Essendon versus Fremantle. Who you got in this one, Pato? I like Jordan Ridley to bounce back and have a big one against the Dockers. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nat Fife. Fife is life. He's just going to go absolutely bananas against Essendon. I just feel it. I wish I could say that about Brayshaw, but I just don't know with the dude. Yeah. Yeah. Brayshaw looks a little bit up and down. Um, unfortunately, didn't have a big game. He was tried out a little bit on the wing on the weekend. I feel like it was a bit of a disaster. So he'll be back in that midfield. Maybe it was even a bit of in-game management. Um, they thought give him a little bit of a rest on the wing in a game that they were getting smashed in. But he may go back into that midfield. Uh, another one that might go big as a left field option is um, Darcy Parrish. He ah, might have yes. a relatively big game if you have him. I don't think he's quite a C option yet, though. But if you've got the gonads to even have him in your team in the first place and you've got big POD and your VC doesn't work out, yeah, maybe give Darcy Parrish a go. The next game is the one that a lot of C options will come out of. That is Melbourne versus Carlton. Um, yeah, Maxi Gorn against is it Pitnet or DeConing who he's playing against? I don't even know. Well, in actual fact, Pitnet actually injured himself last weekend. Oh, so you got to go big Maxi then. You've got I to go don't know Maxie. whether he's going to miss time. The injury lists haven't updated at the time of recording. That's on the Tuesday night. But uh, yeah, if he misses and they bring in, I don't even know who their backup is, but if it's DeConing, Maxi could go 200. Um, yeah. But he could also be rested a little bit in-game and Luke Jackson might ruck a bit more. So it's a little bit risky. I feel like they may play funny buggers with us in that, trying to manage him during games so they don't have to rest him and have him right for a possible finals run. So hopefully not. Hopefully possible? They're going to make finals. Well, it is still Melbourne, Dano. And I know they're undefeated, but Melbourne, like they're the bottle <laughs> kings, aren't they? All right, all right. Um, Clayton Oliver is the other one. Um, the only other, only option, and it sounds bad when you don't include Patrick Cripps in these calculations, but he's just been so pus. The only one I can think of is Sammy Walsh. Um, yeah, no, no one really else, or potentially Sam Doherty if you've got him. Yeah, you just have to worry about the Ed Kerno tag. Um, he could go to Oliver. He could go to Petrarca. I think he'd go more to Petrarca, to be honest. Everyone keeps I, hyping I up Petrarca. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of Carlton, James Harms has tagged in the past and he could go to someone like Walsh, who actually had a down game last week. And I'm not 100% sure whether he got tagged or whether he just struggled against the dogs. But he'll be nice and cheap in the next couple of weeks. I didn't mention him before, but it's another one where you just wait for that down game wait for him to go down 50 or 60K until he's more affordable, but he may start to get a bit more attention and he could get a bit of a tag. So this is a little bit of a risky game for those midfielders because if you choose one of those mids and they get tagged, you'll be absolutely kicking yourself. So I think Gorn is the, the less risky pick um, yep. over those midfielders, but we'll see what happens. West, final game, West Coast Eagles versus Adelaide. I'm going to throw it out there with Andy Gaff to go Boonanas against the Crows. That or Rory Laird being a vanilla pick. What do you reckon, Pato? Who you got? Yeah, bit of a bit of an air game here. Um, I, I don't mind Gaff as an option. May get the bit of attention from Ben Keys, though, so be weary of that one. I don't know who else from the Eagles you'd tag. Maybe Tim Kelly, but yeah. has he been damaging enough lately? I'm not so sure. But... Yeah, I'm struggling to see options from this game. So, yeah, Gaff's probably the best one. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we got time for this week, guys. Um, my socials, as we say every week, so mine on Twitter is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. So it's Dano-S-Triple-C. What's your Twitter handle, Pato? Mine is 
P-A-T-T-O-S-Triple-C. Give me a follow if you like and uh, send me any messages or anything I can help you out with your team or any op- anything you're thinking about doing trade-wise. Happy to help out. Just slide into the DMs. Yeah, we've had a few slide into the DMs. The other one is like our Facebook page. Get on there. It's the Supercoach Co-Captains. Get on there. Give us a like. Comment on our shit. And, yeah, we try and engage as much as possible with you guys. So from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, my name is Dano. And I'm Pado. And this is us signing the fuck off.